Welcome and thanks for listening. My name is Christian Buckley, founder and CEO of Collab Talk. You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast. In this episode, I was joined by Seb Matthews, a consultant, entrepreneur, and CEO of ExtaCloud. We discussed the impact of the General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR, and the changing attitudes towards data security and compliance worldwide. All right, this is the Collab Talk podcast. This is Christian Buckley, the founder and CEO of Collab Talk, and I'm I'm here with Seb, so longtime friend, first time caller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I keep getting a busy tone every time. <laughs> well, it's you know I'm able to uh, select um, who. No, no, Seb, this week still busy signal. It's the beauty of technology. It. But uh, living live living the digital dreams. So. Tell us about yourself so the audience knows who you are. Thanks, Christian. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today uh, on this fine. I don't know what the weather's doing over there in the, uh, I don't know, the beautiful it's be, state it's of like Utah. Five degrees Fahrenheit here in Salt, yeah, Salt Lake City, but it's absolutely raining. It's a typical British summer here, oh, just outside London. It's that. raining. It's uh, seventeen degrees centigrade. I don't know how that translates into US. It's but, like four hundred so, degrees. Yeah. Four, <laughs> I don't know what it is. So Seb Matthews is my name. Content hygiene is my game. So I'm the uh, the CEO of ExtaCloud. We're a uh, product and service business. We're based in London, and we have offices in uh, New York and in Houston as well. People keep telling me I should be saying Houston, not Houston. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to tweak that one. And we're born out of uh, another business where we were... Effectively, this other business was starting to work more and more and more with customers who are interested in not so much content management, but about life cycle management of content and understanding how they can keep information in the right place for the right time. And then that kind of morphed into a general practice capability in the areas of compliance and security and cyber. You know, we, nobody really knows what cyber is, but that's what I, we Hey, do. I watch cyber. Doctor Who, so I know what it is. <laughs> and I have a fear. Yeah, so I, I was I was reading the other day that there might be some confusion about whether they need to now need to introduce us Doctor and Mrs. Who, but that's uh, a, a different story. So yeah, so, yeah, so uh, you know, it's an absolute pleasure to be here with you today. As I said, I've, I think I've been in the queue for a long, long time to get my uh, my moment in the sun with you. Well, well um, and to be fair, this is take two because of the technical difficulties. Two, though yeah. I have expelled my collection of lapel microphones. Uh, one of them uh, is in the garbage. So this is a this is a restart of the conversation we had in London not too long yep. ago. But uh, I think uh, you know now that we uh, we can you know, think about what else we want to talk about here. But I mean, you touched on a lot of stuff. I mean, one you're a longtime entrepreneur and other businesses that you've sold and been part of, and you advise a lot of tech companies and in the space. So I mean, you've been in from different perspectives around these security and data management issues. And I know at the kind of the top of the list of things to talk about in this category is, you know, GDPR. But I mean, there's a lot more than that, obviously. Yeah, but, I mean, I think the, yeah. you know, the G GDPR for sure, the GDPR. The is, you know, GDPR. I'm, you know, yep. the on the GDPR is this year's on-premise, for those of you who are paying on attention. On-premises, excuse uh, me. 
<laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, and absolutely, it's you know, it's a super hot topic. It's yeah. it's a time sensitive topic. We're uh, less than a year away from the internet and all marketing and all community events as we know it all collapsing into a, a giant <laughs> black regulatory hole. black hole. That's is right. ostensibly yeah. what's going to happen. And and yeah, I mean, I think the reality is is that the GDPR, sure, it's it's a hot, hot, hot topic, but it's it's just an annex in the in the annals of all of the other regulatory and compliance challenges that organizations have actually been experiencing for for decades since since content became more mobile you know since content became portable on devices and since content became you know more ubiquitous with standardization of file formats and stuff like that yep. and it's just that what we're starting to see now with we you know with regulations like the GDPR is we're starting to see it affecting every type of business rather than kind of vertical markets you know the banks have always been right. heavily controlled pharmaceutical businesses have always been heavily controlled medical businesses have always been heavily controlled and then, but then horizontally is too I mean you have people that are accustomed I mean and we talked about this in London too that, that you know some people think of well the GDPR being close to like kind of the Y2K type thing I said no you know that's not really the right comparison i think of it more of like the credit card compliance capabilities so these the horizontal like around that area there are companies that do a lot of uh transactions that have you know these credit card information and personal information that's captured from, yeah. from that are then subject to those compliance you know efforts and this is probably closer to that it's not a yeah, one time go in look at massage the data hey i'm compliant check it's, yeah, it's an ongoing operation. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Y2K is, was much more. I always, whenever people talk to me about Y2K in the in the same paragraph as compliance, I always say it's a bit more like somebody just coming along and saying they had to change all the fuses and all the AC outlets. Right. You know, it's much more of an infrastructure type change. Whereas you're absolutely right, the GDPR is much more aligned to something like PCI, so the credit card, right. you know, storage problem. And and but but even then, it's you know the 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 analogy is is reasonably thin it's definitely very similar contextually but but it's reasonably thin simply because you know pci is about you know one part kind of one fifth of the gdpr but absolutely the pain that could be felt by it you know reputationally was significant but the pain in real terms for pci you know if if your regulator finally caught up with you they might levy a fine of you know a four or five figure fine on you i think the uh, I came across some data recently where I was we were doing some research into the EU cookie regulations which I'm sure you you're aware of as well so you know you when you come to websites that are hosted in the in the European Union the website has to tell you that whether yeah. they are or are not using cookies to right. improve your experience and, right. and da, 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 da. which is kind of and, silly because I think by I mean I, what we need is a list of those sites that don't I mean there all four of them yes yeah, all, all four of them. You know, I, I was looking for data on you know who has actually been prosecuted, who has actually been fined, and the only evidence I'd come across. And to be fair, it was a fairly arbitrary search. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't detailed and deep. But the only evidence I'd come across was a Spanish company. You know, in 2014 or something, were fined like five thousand euros. You know, so the CEO probably paid for it on his Amex card, and then yeah. they walked away and just carried on doing what they were doing. Whereas something like the GDPR, where significant percentages of you know significant financial sums, you know, uh, you know, yep. words that rhyme with alien um, are always terrifying. <laughs> uh, are always terrifying unless it's cash that's inbound. And yep. you know, the, the reality is, is the landscape is going to change, and it's going to be impactful. 
and I think that's where where we're seeing with our customers the most concern is about the nature of impact in how they have to change how they do business. And this is the first time where regulations before, you know, broadly speaking, have nearly always historically just been about doing what you do better, doing what you do more hygienically, doing what you do more accurately. This is about you probably have to change what you do, you know, and that is hugely impactful. Well, um, but it's but it's not just that. It, it, I, I still think that that since you're exactly right. I, I'm just to add on to that is it's also there's a different way of thinking about this. I'm I'm a huge fan of W. Edwards Deming and his. I mean, every time I I, I I can picture his face and hear his crackly voice saying, you know, optimize the system. You know, talking about. Yeah. Ongoing operational excellence is why that in Japan, for example, the highest award that you can have for operational excellence is the Deming Award uh, yep. for the work that he did after World War II and kind of helping put Japan on the path to being then the juggernaut that they became around, especially in the manufacturing side in the 70s and 80s. The, the post-war um, economic miracle. Right, yeah. exactly. It was, you know, uh, it was an American and I was it a Brit? I'm trying to think of who, the other guy that was, anyway. So I don't go that that sideways yet, but um, <laughs> but my point there was that it was a change in the approach to looking at solving problems as well. So it's not just about going and doing a data cleanup and saying there I'm compliant. It's not even then going okay we've put these new systems in place. Hey we're compliant because then what happens? Your customer requirements change. The technology you use and leverage changes. The world changes around it. The the, the rules. So there's you also need to put in place that ongoing operational model to constantly be reviewing to understand how you need to go in and modify and adjust to make sure that you're continuing to be compliant with these kinds of standards. Yeah, absolutely, and, and it's it's this continuum nature which I think is what has so many organizations spooked, yeah? Because having to change what you do as an organization is painful. Right. right. Having to then continually monitor forward looking how you might have to change again is incredibly painful. There's no hiding from this as well. And this is the other thing which is is somewhat different about the GDPR when compared to other previous regulatory changes of, of a similar ilk, which is that, you know, this isn't one of those if you have more than dot, 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 or if you are bigger than dot, 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 or if you, you know, the rules are pretty arbitrary, right? If you're a business that trades with personally identifiable information in any way, shape, or form in the EU, you have to comply. Yep. Yeah, so there's no running, there's no hiding, there's pretty much no get-out-of-jail-free cards of any type in this. It's, you know, big, small, wide, deep, thick, thin, whatever sort of organization you are, private, public, government, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, you know, it, it, it applies to you. And, and it's pretty unusual, you know, when you think about, you know, the world that we live in, although we're, both of us would probably describe ourselves as technologists, but not technical people. Right. You know, the world that we live in, that kind of technology world, we're kind of used to, uh, you know, kind of stepped processes and stepped approaches to things. And, you know, every anytime anything comes along where the word continuum get used, the one that always makes me laugh or that we've had years of chuckling and chortling about is, you know, SharePoint governance. Yeah. You know, an intranet is not a project, it's a continuum and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that, hey, that looks great in a t-shirt. Yeah. Trademark. Yeah. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> and it's the same kind of problem, but, but nobody's going to fine your ass right. for not governing your intranet properly. 
No, but what unless does it has, happen? Unless and, it has personally identifiable information. And, and, and this, and, and I love this this story because this because it was like a real conversation around. And I just shared this. I was I just did a a video recording with Dana over at the chief security officer over at AppPoint on the the topic talking about the GDPR and a bunch of the you know the history there. But what happened with as SharePoint improved the quality of search and of course folded in initially components of fast search and then now you know fast search to being a you know a separate line item another you know sale an add-on to SharePoint it's now been yep. kind of integrated into it but when SharePoint 2013 came out and and even 2010 was a huge improvement in search in the SharePoint world over that but what happened especially with 2013 is that organizations went in and said hey we got major problems around permissions management is that we have data leakage everywhere. We're like, wait a second, what do you mean data leakage? What was happening is that because search started working, quote unquote, it started then highlighting the fact of how sloppy companies were with their taxonomy and permissions management and kind of all that. So it's by going and going through this process, my point here is that it is a great exercise in surfacing what you should have been doing all along anyway, give you better understanding of your data. And so it's a, it's, this is an opportunity to get to know your, uh, your data and your processes and yeah, where you need to change. You know, that's the search anecdote is, is, is absolutely, you know, it's, it's, it's nailed on as a great metaphor, right? Because I remember when, uh, I remember being on calls with the fine folk at Redmond in the kind of 2013 beta days and and you know they were pitching this vision of SharePoint search will help you find the data you never knew you had right and I loved I, and, and people loved it people bought into it and then what it turned out was is that SharePoint search will help you find the data that should be unfindable you, you know and then now it's just progressed forward and you know I, I don't know about what you're seeing in the wild but we're seeing especially with some of our larger customers in Office 365 they're switching Delve off right Yep. Right. So, you yep. know, so the, the, because it's just another level of clever beyond what was available in on-premises search capability. And they're finding stuff left, right and center. And some of our, you know, some of our bigger, bigger customers, you know, the kind of government, you know, kind of, you know, parts of the government that have planes and tanks and guns and stuff like that. Yep. They're switching off these pieces of functionality because they're they're exposing the frailties of the user interaction with the data. Right. Yeah. And that's the risk with things like the GDPR, right? Is all the best processes in the world. And, you know, we're working with companies, you know, in Europe and in the US who have teams and project managers and GDPR practitioners and people with qualifications that have sprung up left, right, and center. You know, I'm waiting for one of these online universities to have a master's in the GDPR and stuff like that. And they have this huge amount of effort that's pushing forward and, 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 you know, with the best will in the world and hearts on their sleeves and the best intents. And then the users just come along and demolish the entire thing just by, in many cases, just raw naivety about how they should be using the technology. Right. And I guess that's possibly the, we've had philosophical discussions in the past about the, the kind of downside of the ubiquity of cloud technologies. You know, when you put all of this power into the hands of users, you know, who at the end of the day are just humans, and all of this clever, clever stuff and, you know, the ability to just go off and create 
teams here and groups there and heaven yep. knows what else. Yep. You yeah, know, we are kind of in a, like a new era of Wild West around collaboration. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. For sure. For Cruz and Kidman to ride, ride on over the uh, over the horizon and plant a flag in the middle of a 365. I, no, I'm thinking like a much sexier kind of Westworld type, you know. Uh, oh, nice. A little bit of nice. the dystopian part of that right. in the world as well. But, but, Wild West. but Brenner or Hopkins, that's all that matters, right? Yeah. If you're going to Westworld, is it Brenner or Hopkins? Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So another what, t-shirt. What, uh, another t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Bingo. Shotgun. So, you know, organizations are coming across, you know, there's a really interesting crossroads that they're going to arrive at uh, in May next year, which is the the vision, the dream, the core benefit of especially software as a service where simplicity, huge levels of functionality, very rich functionality that can be operated, managed and maintained by almost any user starts to cross over with you know, a very serious set of consequences if regulations aren't being met, if, right. if, if compliance isn't being had. And, yep. you know, a lot of the advice that we're giving to our customers in the GDPR space, you know, especially in our, you know, we have a, a GDPR consulting practice, which is wow. largely, you know, entirely specialized in this now. You know, make hay while the sun shines and all that. Of course, um, all, always and, with the, uh, left, the, the pinky up on the left hand because they're, yeah, you know, yeah. professionals, fancy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> we only drink tea. Oh, that's um, right. So Earl, Earl Grey. Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> what we're saying to, the, to some of these organizations is, is, is finding yourselves in a position where you might need to consider reversing away from some of these technologies or consider you're applying some older school thinking around, you know, how you use policy and things like that to control what the users are doing because very few organizations are in a position to invest. You know, Microsoft has some fantastic solutions here, yeah? You know, the, the enterprise mobility suite stuff, you know, the, the, you know, the things that appear inside an E5 Office 365 license. You know, there's some very cool kind of monitoring early warning type systems in there that look for sensitive information types and look for provide data loss uh, prevention and digital rights management and all sorts of other acronym or things that can be acronymized. But the reality is it's pretty expensive, right? People are buying into the dream of 365 at $1.99 per seat per month. If you come along and say, well, in order to make your, you know, your journey to the GDPR compliance state simpler, you need to go from a buck ninety nine a seat a month to you know, 35, 40 bucks a seat. For small organizations, it's a drastic change. For large organizations, it's an astronomical change Yeah. in just raw cost of the service. And so they're starting to, you know, we're already seeing organizations who are starting to think about whether their move to towards Office 365 is appropriate at this point because their belief of cost saving is being diminished because they're having to step up to much more expensive license types. Which is the, I think, that's the short-term reality. The long-term reality is they're gonna get that cost probably even higher if they're not then thinking, because those you're really talking about the full weighted cost of the business transformation that's required around the compliance yeah. activities to meet that. And, but you're going to pay for that, whether it's through by moving over to this this service or maybe the cost will even be higher. I don't know if somebody's done a, a projection of that, of the cost of not being compliant, how that goes up the longer you wait. That's kind of a you know, a project management 101, the longer that it takes to identify and solve a problem, the greater the cost. The, yeah, absolutely. The opportunity yeah, cost. The, you, you, maybe there's a, a hashtag, hashtag GDPR debt, 
because that's effect- effectively what's happening. And and again, as as we've discussed, and you know, both one to one and in other forums that we've been involved in, the number of organisations who are just kind of sitting still when you know this date is drifting towards them right then you know uh, i think you've you you've seen some of my material around my four my four animals metaphor uh, these kind of ostriches folks who are just convinced there's nothing to see here they're convinced it's a flap about nothing and much ado about nothing and they're just waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and then suddenly they're going to get bitten in the butt right and the the unfortunate side of it is is the society that we live in that's increasingly litigious I've got a crazy, you know, here's here's one for the uh, history books, right? I've got a crazy theory that another one of these peculiar ambulance-chasing kind of industries will grow out of the GDPR, which is where organizations who, who set up to basically go to individuals and say, we'll go and find companies that are holding your data in a non-compliant way. Yeah. In- <laughs> I, you know, look, in- it's, it's, look, I wouldn't go build that business, but there's... I mean, that's a legitimate thing to go and do. I mean, I, I, I think it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's like, it's like it's a slimy thing to go and do because I think that there's, there needs to be that kind of service. A company needs to be able to, like if, I, if my business is at risk because of what I'm doing, hey, come find me, you know, that's legitimate disagreement there. But I am also responsible for, those partners that I have that I'm doing, you know, any kind of a business with to make sure that the interactions that we have are also compliant. So I go back to my supply chain days. I mean, I'm interested in what happens with my tier one partners, but also my tier two and tier three within that supply chain to make sure that again, it's this the broader look at this optimization of my network of my my greater system and how these things come together to make sure that I'm not at risk. So if I could go, depending on the business that I'm in, if I could go pay for a service that goes and then looks through that network and identifies my tier two, tier three, tier four partners within that network that aren't compliant because there's a percentage of risk that I then take on because they're in my value chain, I would pay, I would want to know that. Yeah, absolutely. So, here, so here's a question for you, right? I'm yeah. going to throw something back at you, Mister Host. Yeah, right. So, you know, as as a marketing maven, yes. right, How do you feel the GDPR will affect how organisations that rely heavily on, you know, email campaigns and stuff like that? I mean, what 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 are you, what are your thoughts in that space? Because I, I and I'll, there's a context behind this question, yeah, yeah. which I'll. No, I mean, come back to, so. I think a lot of the services that definitely within the next 12 months, you need to go and look closely from a marketing perspective at the tools that you're using to make sure that they comply. Like if you are using MailChimp, is MailChimp going to be fined if they're allowing people to use lists that are not compliant or you know, capturing information? I don't know what the guidelines are around those kinds of service providers other than maybe they should be required as just another check to say, hey, you you are including uh, regions that are within the scope of this. Do you you take on the, the, the liability for these? Are you have you done a, a check? Have you done a scan? Those kinds of things. My point there is as a 
company that provides technical marketing services primarily for ISVs and SIs and the Microsoft ecosystem. And I've got customers that are non-Microsoft ecosystem as well. But I need to make sure that the solutions that I provide, the way that I go and interact, like research projects, and we were talking about that before we hit record as well, these sure. research projects that I do in conjunction with the Marriott School at BYU, so you get these graduate students to go and do these full research projects. We have to take into account, even though we all the data we're getting it's compliant, but it is a check that we do ask that question to make sure that we are complying with those regional standards of what information we collect and how we do that, how we retain that information, just for the life of a three, four month research project. Right. So, I mean, if a customer comes and asks me, hey, we want to capture this information, I need to be up to speed on what those things are to be able to know to be like, well, hate to break it to you, we can no longer do this or I can't provide this or these extra steps to be able to provide you with this to show that these customers have agreed to give you this and here's how we handle it and have all that documented so that we really have that traceability of how we're handling that information if we're capturing it at all. And then I know that, and then look, it's because I'm writing about this, I understand this, and even my small little company, I have been through the process, uh, I actually started my career, well, not really my tech career, but I started my first real job was with a law firm. So I even Ooh, and I did some of their records and case management, those systems, that was how I kind of got into the rudimentary collaboration systems, these case management systems, these legal platforms. I started to get an understanding of the, the management of that data and the, the legal requirements, the legal holds around that, but also as part of that, being able to be audited and show clearly that footprint of that data. And I think that any marketer needs to be able to, to understand how they're handling those things, the services and how the services that they employ handle those things and be ready in case there's, an, not necessarily with you, but with your customer or something that to provide the right data that's needed for a legal action. Am I overthinking it? From no, I don't, I don't think, I, no, I don't think you are. I think the, and, and that's one of the reasons why I was, I was super interested in your perspective because we'll just use MailChimp as an example. You yeah. know, there are, uh, there are other services of this type, of course, but we, you know, we use MailChimp as an organization and we, you know, we've been in discussion with them because, you know, with the GDPR, there's this notion of a processor and a controller and with a service like MailChimp, who is who? Or is it who is whom? I'm not sure, but uh, you know, yeah. but the which party is is it ExtraCloud or is it Mailchimp, who are the processor or the controller? Who because it's our data, but they're sending it on our behalf. But we've collected it, but their services allow us to gather more data, and and there's this peculiar situation where you, you know where it's not immediately apparent who is the processor and who is the controller. We've been in discussion with, with MailChimp about this because we're trying to understand it. So I mentioned that there was some context behind the question. So as both you and I are organizers of community events and specifically, you know, we've you know, over the last few years been involved in a number of SharePoint Saturday Office 365 Saturday events. And one of the organizers from one of the events in Europe, who shall remain anonymous, reached out to me recently knowing that we have a, 
you know, an interest in, in the business in, in the GDPR, basically saying, did we think that from May next year, SharePoint Saturday in Europe will die? Because the value proposition to the sponsors is opt-in lists. Yep. I countered that with great question. <laughs> Let yeah. me go away and think about it. But I also said, you know, the value proposition is also in the face-to-face -face interaction and, you know, being seen to be there with a booth, et cetera, et cetera. But it was a great question and, and yeah. you know, I, I, about something like a SharePoint Saturday, which, you know, relies, you know, that opt-in list is effectively, that's the payback, right? That, that's, you know, each of the sponsors, you know, whichever tier they come in at, each of those sponsors, they get a, you know, that list of people. And, and at the moment, you can do, you know, in the UK, for instance, in SharePoint Saturday London, we do a, this a thing called an implied opt-in, right? So, yep. in you know, on the ticket, uh, you know, when they sign up for it at Eventbrite. Ask that know, question. Is yeah. it all right to share your data, your yeah. information with the sponsors? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And what our ticket type actually says, because at the moment it's legit to say this, is if you want the ticket, you opt in. Yep. Yeah, it's a condition of the ticket, right? Fantastic. Yep. So you're happy. We've got your tick box. Everybody's happy. So everybody with a ticket has opted in. Yep. But under the new system, under the GDPR, and I'm going. I'll be slightly arbitrary here. Yeah. What's yeah. necessary is for then, for us as the organizer to then go back to them again, once they've signed up to it and said, "We want to send you. Is this okay?" And yep. you can't tie that to the condition of the ticket. Yeah, because it's nothing to do with the with the quote unquote contract of sale of a right. free ticket. It's now yep. to do with the, the legislation in the EU. Yep, and it's I, a super well, it's a super tricky problem. And this is it's just a question. So I mean, does it have to be that separate? Why can't you just have the intentional opt in change the way you ask for the sign up? So so it's not a requirement to get the ticket any longer and they specifically have to, hey, I understand like I'm agreeing that my information can be shared with like and have that hard opt-in option. Yeah, so yes, in that bit, and then you, you fell neatly into my trap. Ah. And, then, and then where it gets more complicated is then is that SharePoint Saturday London, SPS Events Limited or whatever we're called now, yep. is compliant. Right. But then we then arc back to your point about supply chain. I am then giving that data, or me, the organization is then giving that data to 15, 20 sponsors. The compliance position then changes. Right. It's super interesting, and, and we're working we're working through it at the moment because we're 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 basically seeking to come up with a extra cloud or seeking to come up with an answer to that so that we can share that with the SharePoint Saturday community. Yeah, to say that is be aware, be aware. And it's not, and I mean, obviously that it, that's it. There's an impact of that to user groups. I mean, I'm on the board of the SharePoint user group here in Utah. I'm, uh, you know, I participate in IAMCP, the International Association of Microsoft Channel Partners, and you know, a bunch of these other groups, as well as putting on events like SharePoint Saturday. And I used to put on, you know, even you know, larger events, but certainly participate as a speaker and sponsor of other global events. Where yeah. that's a that's a major you know, a, a major issue. It's the, you're right. It's uh, I was actually going to share like I use for marketing automation. I use a platform called Active Campaign, and I don't do right. a lot of email marketing myself. My customers do, but just the nature of my business and the size of it, it's just not the, uh, the an optimal way to market to my customers and 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 base there. However, but the how Active Campaign and other similar platforms like HubSpot and there's a plenty of other tools that are out there, large and small, Marketo on the large size and 
HubSpot, probably the, the most well-known out there. But in active campaign, as I go and collect information and build lists, I mean, it, the first thing it asks uh, the system, it's just part of the process of setting up a list and collecting any data via, via, via a form is, is how were these people, these names acquired? And I'm essentially confirming with each ad that yeah. there's... I know where these people, how these these people came in, and there, yeah. there's even recommendations in every template for every email blast to go out. That is part of it. Say you were part of this form because you because, signed up yeah. via this, and, you, and that's the anti-spamming stuff, right? right? That's the correct. You know, and, and, but that's and, yeah. But it's yeah. again, I think a lot of that is is in that it's it's in that direction though of making it very clear where no longer you can just like I use my email, I click yeah, sign me up and go. No, there's going to be multiple steps now to even being yeah. able to sign up for a subscription to an email newsletter. That you want to sign up to. That I yeah. want to sign up for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the problem, I mean, of I, course, I, is that I'm still getting heavily spammed by those that I never signed up for, nor did I ever yeah. want or request. No, absolutely. And, and I'm conscious of time uh, yeah. for both of us, but the there's I don't know if you heard over there on the other side of the big pond, but the uh, a very famous uh, bar chain over here in the UK, Weatherspoons, recently very publicly made the decision to delete their entire contact database. Wow, their market their mail out contact database. You know, it was a, it was a significant database. Well, I think it was well over a million active contacts that they were regularly sending offers and vouchers yep. and whatever to. Yep. And they basically looked at it and when the cost of assessing and, and determining who did and didn't opt in and you know and how this was all acquired is far excessive to the benefit we get from being able to mail out to people. So we just deleted the whole thing. Wow. That's an extreme approach. But you know, they, they risked they went they went away, they risk assessed, they looked at the costs of ensuring the levels of hygiene on that list and the benefits they get from having access to the list and you know yep. the the scale tilted in the wrong direction yep and so they said you know what yep bingo you know f disk that and off they went you know in some ways seb i mean we're we're, we're it's, it's almost like that approach it's like uh, taking yourself back to the pre internet marketing model which yeah. everything that marketing has been, I know this is a slightly different direction, but in the MarTech space has been towards automation and looking at the intelligence that's captured on, like if someone breathes on my website, I know who you are, I know what you're yeah. looking at, I start profiling you, I've got these personas that I'm matching you up against, I'm looking yeah. at the pattern so that if I ever engage with you in a sales discussion, I know that, okay, you said, we're, look, you were interested in these three topics, you've already downloaded these things, you've been to these three webinars, and I have more information about you to make more intelligent, personalized, specific sale pitch, but you remove a lot of that capability and it really kind of takes you back to the stone age of, I'm gonna go, like, how'd you find us? Via a print ad? Via, <laughs> you know, like, Radio advertising. Right. <laughs> yeah, my AM radio ads, it's on fire, you know? <sighs> <laughs> but yeah, um, it's it's going to be uh, an interesting in the uh, Chinese term of uh, you know an interesting space on the, from definitely from the marketing standpoint. But it all stems back from the hey, look, let's be honest, you know, needed cleanup of how yeah. organizations globally handle this kind of data. 
No, absolutely. And 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 all we, you know, uh, you know, we, we're going to have to do another one of these in a few weeks because, you know, what, all, all we've done is we've scratched the surface because we, right. you know, we're both interested in the concept of Martech, and you know, we've we've we've, we've touched on that. But when we get down to the nitty gritty of kind of core business enterprise type problems that are, you know, you know, rather rather than the icing on the cake of things like marketing problems. We're currently engaged with a, a pharmaceutical business who a, signif- a significant part of their organization is involved in trials. And for trials, the amount of personally identifiable information that you are holding about a trial member, you can imagine, is significant. Yeah. Medical data, financial data, you know, demographic data. It's extreme. It's literally somebody's DNA. Yeah. You know, they're kind of their life DNA. And, and, and this particular organization is really struggling around how they, they get themselves to a compliant stance and then how they maintain that. And then how they, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, what the EU, you know, what the guardians of the GDPR are actually going to be interested in is how organizations respond to inevitable breach. Yeah. Because the ability for an organization to never breach is thin, is yeah. slender. Yeah. And it's how you respond to the breach, which uh, is going to be key. And, and, and on that note, it, it occurs to me that in this conversation, we've used the word breach and the word leakage. So I'm assuming that Alistair down in South Africa, if he's going to be listening to this, is going to, his head's going to explode um, at some point. So big, big shout to Alistair down there. Um, I think he's in LA at the moment, isn't he? So, he is. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's yeah. hanging out with Zlatan, yeah. Oh, good grief. Oh, wow. So what, what, yeah. what's that? If, if there's an earthquake, it's not actually an earthquake. So uh, Yeah. No, it's even, it's even worse than that. I, I saw that uh, uh, over a Facebook post that uh, Zlatan picked up uh, Alistair in his uh, Tesla and immediately put on the, what is it, the, uh, the, the autopilot. I'm just like, okay, that, yeah, yeah that, oh, wow. that's, that's a hot mess about to happen. You know, the two yeah, of them yeah. with uh, AI driving. Good luck there. Oh, wow. Sorry, have you, have, you, have you ever been in an AI car? So we, no, we I have just, not. We, we, you know, we're totally off topic now. But we, so we've recently just got a new 2018 Volvo XC90, so the big Volvo SUV. Yep. And and that has autonomous driving capability. And oh my golly gosh, is it clever? And oh my golly gosh, every now and then it so gets it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And that, yeah. that's the stuff that nightmares are made of. Well, you know what? I think the standard needs to be is kind of like the old days of the rear window, the baby on board sign, that we need to have something similar that yeah. uh, there's a little <laughs> sign in the back so I can you know keep the distance as I'm driving just in case. Yeah, powered by Microsoft. <laughs> <laughs> well, Seb, hey, I you know, really appreciate your time. I know we're just over on this, but really appreciate it. And we'll definitely be talking again and going through. And I think there's a lot more where we'll go in depth around it. And of course, uh, if you've not yet seen it, uh, there's an article that I just published out on uh, through CMS Wire that uh, Seb was one of uh, five experts talking about uh, the GDPR and, and other thoughts around uh, data security. Definitely go take that out because uh, you've got your uh, animal analogy there as well yeah um, yep. but more to read and then seb how can people get in touch with you the best way to get me is on the twitters at the moment so at seb matthews or and here's bravery you can get me at seb at setmatthews.net or facebook.com slash seb matthews and that's all the social channels you'll ever need so excellent all right well you know thanks a lot for your time again and i will My pleasure. Uh, see you when i see you i guess uh, maybe i'll see you next month maybe it'll be a month later you, well, shh, you never yeah, know. Maybe, yeah, who knows? <laughs> yeah. All right. Talk hey, to you soon. Thanks a lot. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. 
You've been listening to the Collab Talk podcast. You can find us online at collabtalk.com, as well as on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thanks for listening.